The following is a message from our sponsor. This Weekly Standard podcast is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Whether you live in one of the many communities dependent upon sugar production or are a taxpayer saving scarce federal dollars, you're benefiting from America's sugar producers. Learn more at www.sugaralliance.org. The number one person I wanted to talk to after the Obama presser with uh, David Cameron's over today was Stephen Hayes with the Weekly Standard. Steve, thanks so much for your time. Hi, Michael. How are you? I am stunned, shocked, flabbergasted, and I want to hear from you your reaction when you heard the president say of the entire Benghazi story, largely broken by you, there is no there there. In other words, nothing to see here, folks. Move along. Yeah, I mean, I think it was both stunning, as you say, and and also very foolish. I mean, at this point, it's not we're not we're not debating whether there's a story there. There's a story there. Everybody, but apparently the president and a few of his top officials understand that there's a story there, and they understand this because we've now seen the documents. We've seen what was happening in the White House at the time. And we know that the story that they sold the American people now for better than eight months was simply untrue. So there's a story there. The president is just wrong about that. And then to go on and and make the kinds of claims that he made in his press conference to me is just surprising that he would uh, that he would do this because I think it virtually guarantees that reporters um, are going to be interested in continuing to look at this. I love how gracious you are to your fellow reporters by saying continuing to look at this because, let's face it, Steve, <laughs> other than you and uh, and uh, Miss Atkinson at CBS, not a lot of people have been looking at this. And I, I agree with you. I think we're beyond that. What about his claim that uh, he knew nothing about the IRS abuse until he read about it in the paper Friday? In other words, his internal revenue service professionals apologized to Tea Party years like me without telling the president, and he knew nothing about it, and then he picks up the paper and goes, wow, we were doing what? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I don't have any reason to, to, to know that that's true or not, but he certainly doesn't have a lot of credibility when he makes those claims. But wait, let me ask point. you this. Would you go out and apologize on behalf of a bad job by the Weekly Standard without talking to Bill or Fred or somebody first? You see what I'm saying? Um, no. No, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the, the Treasury AG report, I mean, is now being, we're now learning more of the details about it, is deeply troubling. I would think that the first time the president would hear about this kind of report, he would say, you know, immediately, I want to know more about this. Now, maybe, maybe nobody told him about it beforehand, but uh, he's got some questions to answer. Uh, let me ask you about Friday's uh, presser with Jay Carney. Were you... In the room, were you watching on TV like the rest? Of- I, I was I not in the room. I would have paid. Watching. I would have paid a thousand dollars cash to be sitting in there. I mean, that is some of the most delicious, delicious Schadenfreude or Schadenfreude. My high school German teacher would be upset. Yeah, I've had in a long time, and um, I, I, w- I want to play some of the audio from that for you from Friday, if I can. Sure. The talking points that have gotten so much attention, and let's remember that these are talking points. It's not policy. It's talking points to this day, have been shown to be wrong in only one instance, and that was the existence of demonstrations uh, preceding the attack. Everything else about them was true, including the assertion that uh, extremists uh, might have been involved, uh, and and the assertion that as we got more information, we would, uh, that this account would likely uh, 
evolve and change, and we would provide that information as we got it. And so all of this from the beginning, the Republican attempts to politicize this, has been based on uh, that single thing which we corrected once we knew that it was uh, no longer uh, a correct description of what happened. So why are we still covering this? Uh, there was only one tiny little point, and there's only one word that was changed. What's the problem, Steve? Well, I mean, look, that's that's simply not true. I mean, what Jay Carney said there isn't true. I mean, he, he's either been – there are basically two possibilities, both with what Jay Carney said on Friday in answer to several of these questions and also what the president said today. Either they're just being dishonest. I mean, it's just not true, the, the things that they're saying. Or I think they're being willfully misleading. I mean, for Jay Carney to suggest – that the White House and the State Department had no role in editing those talking points um, would be preposterous because, as I said earlier, we've now seen the documents. We've seen what was changed. We know who made the recommendations. We know that the substantive changes came after the CIA provided the talking points to the policymakers, and it went through some interagency draft. We understand all of that. So for Jay Carney to say that, 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 that that's not what happened, I mean, it's just, it is, you, sometimes I stop and I think, and I, is there something I'm not seeing here? Why does he continue to say this? And the only way it works mm-hmm. is if he literally means that the CIA, Deputy Director of the CIA, Mike Morrell, or somebody working for him, was the one who actually was typing in the changes that were provided him by these policymakers. Nobody cares about that. That's not the issue. The issue is who recommended the changes. Why did the talking points that came out of this process Saturday, September 15th at noon look entirely different than the ones that started the process Friday, September 14th at noon? Stephen Hayes, you hater. Don't you understand? He was talking about the next to final draft if you go to if you skip all that crazy stuff you're just talking about come on no one cares about there's no there there and just go to the final 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 draft they only change one word so if you (laughs) if you ignore all that here's my favorite part jay carney says well don't blame us we had to make a mess of it because mitt romney made us be deceptive and it's this isn't even news the republicans are it's their fault for leaking this stuff and so if they would stop telling you what we did, and if Mitt Romney would stop running against us, we wouldn't have been forced to do any of these things. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's the last refuge of scoundrels, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know that they, maybe they, they just understand that they have nothing else to say and that if they're able to reframe this as, uh, you know, as something that, that was all the fault of the Republicans, they can make some headway with a press corps that I think we all understand is, is more sympathetic to the president and in his case, both ideologically and, and probably personally. But here's the problem. This, this is why I don't understand this White House strategy. You can have a, a friendly press corps for five years and have that press corps give you the benefit of the, of the doubt on anything and everything for that entire time. And I think basically he's gotten that. It doesn't mean that there aren't individual reporters who have done a good job or certain issues that have have caused the White House some discomfort when they've been pressed by reporters. But generally, reporters have been friendly to the administration, and I think more often than not, giving them the benefit of the doubt. What's happened here and what's different about this is reporters who, for I think a long time, had sort of repeated the White House's claims about what happened in Benghazi, about the handling of the talking points, about the broader story, now can see not only that the White House was wrong in what they told these reporters, these White House officials told reporters, 
but that their own stories, which were based on you know, a certain level of, of trust of the White House's story, were also wrong. So the entire narrative now gets flipped on its head in a way that reporters can see and is obvious to them. The wheels are shaken. I mean, I don't know if the wheels are going to come off here, but the Obama administration's ability to make progress for the rest of the term, I think they're in. this is an existential threat, this moment of these two stories coming together. You've seen a lot more White Houses much more closely than I have. Do you agree? Yeah, this is, this is a huge, huge political trouble for the White House. I mean, I, I think it was unlikely. You and I had talked before, Michael, about the possibility of some grand bargain on the budget and all of these other other issues. And I always thought that that was unlikely anyway. My assumption was that the White House was sort of doing this for, you know, public relations purposes so that reporters would say, hey, this White House is really trying to work with these guys. Right. But in addition to everything else, I mean, the White House now is, is I think, working with such damaged credibility with the press corps. You know, and Alexis Sibendinger, who's the White House reporter for Real Clear Politics and has covered White Houses going back a couple decades, I believe, uh, said last night that Jay Carney's reputation, his credibility, is damaged irreparably. That's her word, irreparably. Uh, you know, she's not some right-wing hack or right. partisan bomb thrower. She's a serious reporter. And I think that she's reflecting the view of reporters in the White House press corps who say, we've, you know, we've, been, we've trusted you until you've given us reason not right. to trust you, and we now have that reason. So watch out. If I were the RNC people and had access to the RNC money, whatever, I would buy two hours of TV time tonight or tomorrow, and I would play all the president's men. Because when you see how hard the journalists work then, and then you compare that to what's happened in the past eight months, it's just it's astonishing. It truly is. And the parallels are amazing, including, obviously, the IRS part. And, as I, and my, uh, my wife, uh, Steve, had never seen it before last night. So she just sat there with her mouth open. And I said to her when it was over, you know, if the uh, Woodward and Bernstein had covered Watergate the way most of Washington's press corps has covered Benghazi, Nixon would have served three terms. And that's, <laughs> that's where we are here on this story. Um, so where do you, th- what, what's next? I mean, the the president has played the no, there, there card. There's nothing, basically there's no story. Are, are they going to make that work? No, they can't. I don't think they can make it work. I mean, I do think maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe I just have too, uh, too rosy a view of my colleagues in the mainstream, in the mainstream press. But I mean, I don't think that's almost a challenge to, to a reporter. I think, you know, if, if, if you've got the president saying, you know, at one point in his in his comments in in his brief press appearance, the president said the talking points pretty much matched my presidential daily brief. Right. Well, that is almost inconceivable because the talking points were substance free. I mean, mm-hmm. there just wasn't much substance in the talking sure. points. And if the CIA had been in the days after an attack like the one on Benghazi, providing the president with that kind of uh, substance free crap. The CIA would be in a big, big, big trouble. But I think the president, in making that claim, has virtually assured that that good reporters, myself included, and members of Congress are now going to be demanding to see his PDBs, to see if he's telling the truth about that. I just don't think that the CIA would provide such substance-free daily briefs to the president in the immediate aftermath of an attack that took the lives of four Americans and a U.S. ambassador. Inconceivable to me. And I don't think the CIA, by the way... I don't think the CIA is going to take kindly to the fact that the president is, in effect, saying that they didn't provide much if, if in fact, they did. 
Steve Hayes, thanks so much for joining us for the very, very latest on Benghazi. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. The following is a message from our sponsor. This Weekly Standard podcast is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Whether you live in one of the many communities dependent upon sugar production or are a taxpayer saving scarce federal dollars, you're benefiting from America's sugar producers. Learn more at www.sugaralliance.org.